0: Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. The Bible says this, and they came to Jericho. Somebody say Jericho. Somebody say Jericho. They came to Jericho. Jesus went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people blind Bartimaeus the son of Timaeus sat by the highway side begging and when he heard somebody say hear when he heard that it was Jesus he began to cry out and say Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me and many charged him that he should hold his peace but he cried the more a great deal thou son of David have mercy on me and Jesus stood still And commanded that he should be called. And they called the blind man saying to him, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he casted away his garment. Someone say, cast away your garment. And came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole And immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I want to preach on this subject tonight, fit check, your fit check. I want you to put your hand over your heart, and this is the specific prayer I want you to pray, all right? I want you to pray that God gives you faith for the rest of this service. Faith is what saves you. Faith is what fills you with the Holy Ghost, faith Is what does miracles, signs, and wonders. You you may not even know what that all means. That's all right. Just pray for faith in your heart. You ready? Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we pray for the faith of Abraham. We pray for the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We pray for faith that Daniel had in the lion's den. We pray for faith that David had as he faced Goliath. God, we pray for faith, Lord, that the 12 apostles had. We pray for faith that raises the dead. God, right now we release faith in this room. We release faith in our hearts. God, I release faith over every unbeliever that they would believe tonight. God, we release faith over the lies of the enemy. We release faith, God, over every teenager, over every young adult. God, we release faith right now that we would not trust our thoughts, that we would not trust our way, but we would have faith in the Word of God that you know better, that you really know who we are, that you really know the plan you have for us, the good plan. the prosperous plan, the plan to go forward by faith. God, give us faith, faith, faith in this moment. Release faith in this house. Release faith in this house. As we preach the gospel, God, show us miracles, signs, and wonders moving this altar. God, have your way. We are on your schedule. We're in revival. We're not worried about time. We're not worried about where we're going to go to eat afterward. Give us faith, God, to believe you, to do something that only you can get the glory for tonight. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. As you're seated, give him one more not weenie hand clap of praise. Triumphant, come on, a triumphant hand clap of praise in the house. Amen. Let's talk about Jericho. The city of Jericho is mentioned throughout the Bible. Jericho is most famously known for being the first city Joshua conquered in the land of Canaan. The city of Jericho, somebody say Jericho again was known for its massive walls that gave them a unique defensive position. Jericho had a strong king, a great army, and plenty of resources to be a prosperous city. However, Jericho was known to be an extremely wicked city. Somebody say Jericho one more time. The Bible says this, the setting of our text is outside of the city of Jericho, so you kind of got to know what goes on in Jericho. Say Jericho one more time. Jericho acted like an entrance to the rest of Canaan. Jericho was a very spiritual place, but for all the wrong reasons, Jericho had temples with high priests, altars that they would sacrifice animals and humans and babies on, centered around idolatry and immoral sexual acts. Jericho was the epitome of everything anti-God. Somebody say Jericho one more time. I want to get it in your brain. Somebody give your neighbor a fist bump and say Jericho one more time. Come on, we're talking about Jericho. Jericho was so evil that God commanded Joshua when he walked around the walls and the walls fell to completely burn the city down and put a curse on. For whoever would try and rebuild the city. That's how much God hated Jericho. Joshua, after he got done, uh, uh, the walls came down and and they defeated the enemy. Literally, he he prophesied over the ruins and said, Whoever tries to rebuild this city is going to die. Their their sons are going to die. And that prophecy was fulfilled in 2 Kings. So what I'm trying to say is Jericho wasn't just great physically. But Jericho was great spiritually, but for all the wrong reasons. Somebody say amen. Isn't it interesting that the first city that God allows Joshua to conquer wasn't mainly a military victory, but it was a spiritual victory. The Bible says that God had promised this land to God's people, to the children of Israel, and they were to go in, and this was the gateway. This was the gateway to the promised land. This was the first victory that had to be won, and more than a military victory. Battle, they were facing a a spiritual battle, the Bible says. Oh, isn't it interesting how it describes it? Joshua didn't send his troops to attack the walls, Joshua didn't send his troops to find an alternate entrance, but Joshua walked around the walls with the pastors, with the worship team, and the church people shouting and giving God praise. Why would he do that? Why didn't he just take his army and go into the city? Why Why didn't he just take his army and find a weak spot in the walls and just use swords and shields and all these different things. This is the reason. Because the first battle wasn't a physical battle. It was a spiritual one. That's what we've got to understand. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against powers and principalities. Amen. What's going on in your life, whether you be a teenager, whether you be a young adult, the first battle that you have to come to realize is I'm not fighting against my dad. I'm not fighting against the culture of the world no there are spiritual beings in the atmosphere that we have got to pray against that we have got to war against joshua had to understand i know i have military i know i have a physical sword but more than that i have prayer i have worship i have the word of god i have the name of god i have the name of jesus if there'll be a young adult in this service right now if there'll be a young person in this service right now that realizes you're in a spiritual war and fight the spiritual war oh hallelujah the walls are going to come down in this house here tonight hallelujah come on somebody give god praise This brings me this brings me to my first point tonight. Number 1, we as a generation must realize that atmosphere matters. I believe we have it up. We as a generation must realize that the atmosphere matters. We all have heard this verse Psalm 22 verse 3, but thou art holy O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Has anybody heard that God inhabits the praises of his people? If you go to CFC, you hear that almost every single service. We got to praise. We got to open up our mouth. we got to let our tongue loose. We got to let our worship. Why? Because the Bible promises us that when we begin to worship God, when we begin to give God praise, that's when he comes in. So that means he wasn't there before, but when somebody, when there'll be a young adult, a young person in, in, in a Wednesday night service that says, I don't care who around me but I lift up my voice and my praise and my thanksgiving and my adoration to God when somebody will do that the Bible says it could be as dry as cracker juice in the room but God comes and fills that room with his glory somebody say amen in this house hallelujah that verse guarantees that God inhabits the praises of his people but can I tell you this tonight but the devil inhabits the praises of his people as well God inhabits the praises of his people, but the devil will come in when he is glorified. Is anybody in this room right now? The devil also inhabits the praises of his own as well. The prophet Daniel lived in wicked Babylon. It took him 21 days of prayer and fasting to pray an angel through the demon spirit of Persia. Why? Because the atmosphere was evil. Oh, is anybody in this house here right now? The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar made made praise and worship go across the City. he was a pagan king evil evil songs evil evil instruments uh, uh he he had to set the atmosphere to make the rest of the city bow down at what what what, uh, what am i trying to say tonight the atmosphere matters the enemy knows if he can change the atmosphere the enemy knows if he can charge the atmosphere the enemy knows that if he can get somebody to disobey the word of god and go after the world and go after culture that doesn't invite the presence of god but that it invites the spirits of this world. But what about the flip side? In Acts chapter 2, 120 people gathered in an upper room for 10 days. They prayed. They fasted. They worshiped God. And when they changed, when they did that, they changed the atmosphere and the Holy Spirit was poured out. Yes, the enemy can try to change the atmosphere. But can I tell you, if we get 120 in a basement youth room right now, it doesn't matter what came in here. doesn't matter matter how dry you are doesn't matter what you're facing if somebody will realize atmosphere matters praising God matters charging the atmosphere with prayer and fasting and worship and declaration and the word matters if somebody will realize that the glory will come again the flame will fall again and the wind will blow amongst us amen if we would first win the battle in the atmosphere, if we would first win the battle in the spirit, if we would first win the battle with our prayer and worship, we would then see the physical walls fall down around us. Isn't it interesting? When Joshua won the spiritual battle, the physical battle took uh, 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 was taken care of, amen? That's what you've got to realize. If you will gain victory in the spirit, if you will gain victory in prayer, if you will gain victory, amen, in the altar, then physically... Things start to change, but it starts when somebody will change the atmosphere with their praise and worship. Hallelujah. That's why we don't entertain wicked atmospheres. Hallelujah. That's why we don't uh, entertain wicked atmospheres. We don't go to bars. We don't go to secular concerts. We don't watch rated R movies. We don't watch horror movies. We don't go clubbing, amen. We don't go to dance parties. We don't celebrate Halloween, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Why? Because the devil inhabits the praises of his people just like God inhabits the praises of his own, hallelujah. Oh, I know it's going to get tight right here, but you hear me. I begin to think about how this plays out in real life. I think it was last year in Houston, uh, Texas, Travis Scott held one of the biggest concerts in america amen what happened at that concert it was the most demonic concert you could ever have in your entire life people died there was a stampede. 10 people they were crying out for help why because when you charge an atmosphere with demonic worship when you charge an atmosphere with the things of the world then that means the enemy can come in and have his way come on somebody in this house I began to think about the shooting that happened in Las Vegas a couple years ago. A man stayed in a hotel room for, for like over a month and gained, and, and gained guns and, and, and just stayed there and waited for the right moment. What, what, what was his right moment? His moment was when a concert was going on below the hotel. And when the concert got right and when people started drinking and when the atmosphere shifted in the middle of that atmosphere, then he could open up his window and he could shoot and kill almost 40 people. Can I tell you in this house, that atmosphere that you live in, the atmosphere that you stay in, it matters. Hallelujah. These atmospheres create a habitat for Satan to manifest himself in. The story of blind Bartimaeus and the walls of Jericho parallel completely to that. Joshua didn't take his troops inside the city. They were on the outside. Bartimaeus was on the outside of the city begging by the side of the road. But in both stories, it was the cry of God's people that brought a miracle. How did the walls of Jericho fall down? You listen to me somebody cried unto the Lord. How did Blood Borromeus get his healing? Somebody cried and worshiped unto the Lord. If somebody will get a cry in their heart. Oh, I wish I had somebody that knows that you can change the atmosphere. I wish I had somebody that knows that greater is you. Greater is he that is in you. I wish somebody would stand to your feet, lift up your hands and say this will be an environment of the glory of god this will be an atmosphere of salvation of miracles of signs and wonders oh god we change it right now hallelujah 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 oh when somebody prays god somebody fought the spiritual battle and won the spiritual battle that's when everything changed amen can i tell you point number one we as a generation must realize that atmosphere matters if you're in a demonic atmosphere you're going to struggle with depression if you're in a demonic atmosphere like jericho you're going to begin to worship idols you're going to begin to feel oppressed amen You know, some people walk up to me and say, Robbie, I want to be healed. I want to be delivered. No, you don't if you don't want to change your life. You're more, you are more satisfied and content with being oppressed and living in fear and living in sickness while listening to the trash, while doing things you shouldn't do. But when true, listen, when there's a true desperation, the Bible says as the deer pants for the water brook, my soul, when you begin to pan after the Lord, it doesn't matter what you got to do. It doesn't matter what you got to say. It doesn't matter how long you got to pray. It doesn't matter how long you got to fast. It doesn't matter if you got to, if you got to come to church on Thursday and friday come back saturday four services sunday if somebody gets hungry for the glory they'll crave that atmosphere and say lord do it in my life hallelujah (laughs) atmosphere matters but point number two your garment defines who you are brother caleb i want you to get that poncho over there if you have it just put it on there and come sit up here for a second For many people, garments or clothing define who they are. Do I have any middle schoolers in the house? Okay. I can remember being like in sixth and seventh grade, Dr. Cody Stevens, and uh, like being so hyped to get the Hollister shirt. Come on, somebody. Abercrombie and Fitch, praise God. Uh, The American Eagle cargo shorts i don't know if anybody knows about that oh hallelujah i mean i can remember amen walking in school with that big uh what's it uh the seabird the hollister logo on and just thinking man yeah i'm cool i look good now amen really, listen clothes don't change your face uh, i'm just gonna say anyway anyway we define ourselves sometimes many times by the garments that we wear for many people garments or clothing define who they are I see some Nikes in the house I see some Yeezys in the house I see some Walmart Yeezys in the house I see some (laughs) hallelujah We we are defined by our clothing we define I was it was in Bible times it was the same with blind Bartimaeus the Bible says his clothes were his identity what's up bro I just want you to sit back here for a second. Yeah, just So here's blind Bartimaeus. Somebody say hi Bartimaeus. Hi. He's got his he's got his uh, uh blind man glasses on. Uh, he's got a baseball st- Bat for a for a for a stick. I don't know what that is, but he's got he's got that poncho on as well. So blind Bartimaeus just kind of just kind of yeah tap around there. He's blind, but I want you to understand what the Bible tells us, what culture tells us about blind people in Bible times. So remember, we talked about Jericho. We talked about the atmosphere matters. We understand what's going on now, but but the Bible says just like Joshua was outside the walls, now we have a blind man in the New Testament that's outside the walls and well as as well so in the bible the government actually issued the coats that he's wearing right there all right they issued these coats they would inspect the blind men and make sure they were not just faking to get some extra money this coat gave them the ability to to beg and collect money from other people. So this was a special garment. This was a special coat. He had to be checked out. Like they had to make sure that he could not see two or three or five or ten or anything. Like they made sure that he was really blind. So we can rest assured that blind Bartimaeus was really a blind man. Somebody say amen. amen. But, here's, but it gets interesting here. Some people think that his dad was also a blind beggar. And that the coat that he has from the government was actually passed down from generation to generation. So now you have blind Bartimaeus. He's outside the walls of an evil city called Jericho that's known for bad atmospheres. That's known for the demonic. That's known for pagan worship and idolatry and all that good stuff. But now he has this garment on that he didn't choose to have. But it was a generational thing it was passed down from his father maybe 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 his father's father gave it to his dad and now he's so maybe grandpa passed it to the father and now the father passed it because they all have the same infirmity they all have the same weakness they all have the same inability amen and i dare to say can i can i just stop here and preach for a minute there are people in this room you know you struggle with the same thing your family struggles with Generational curses are a real thing. Hallelujah generational curses generation to generation struggle with blindness but can i tell you generation to generation struggles with alcoholism struggles with 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 promiscuity struggles with lust struggles with all these different types of things and there's young people there's young adults in this very room you look in the mirror and you already see your dad that you hate you look in the mirror and you see your mom that walked out on you you look in the mirror and you see all these things that you don't want to be but now you're getting older and you're living life and you realize, well, I, I'm not even trying to be that way, but I'm just like them. Can I tell you that Jesus is greater than every generational curse? I want to tell blind Bartimaeus, I want to tell a group of young adults, I want to tell a group of teenagers, you don't got to be like your mom or dad, you don't got to be like the addict, you don't got to sleep around and commit fornication, but in the gospel, in the power of Jesus, by the blood that he shed on Calvary, by way of the cross, by way of the Holy Ghost, you can break every curse, you can break every demonic power in Jesus' name. God is ripping away every excuse in this service right now. God's going ri- to Listen, you're not going to be. Listen, it's not going to be because of your cousin or your aunt. No, God's going to set you free because you make the decision. I don't going to be like this anymore, but I'm walking out of my grave. I'm walking out of what's been attached to my family. Bartimaeus, amen. Can I tell you each one of us? Have a coat in this room, a coat that identifies you. That coat is either the coat of sin or it is the coat of salvation. Bartimaeus finally came to the point where he wasn't going to let his family coat, his personal coat, identify him any longer. He had been begging, he had been blind begging for too long. It's one thing to be poor and beg. But it makes it even worse when it's a blind beggar. Come on, somebody. It's bad enough not having money to buy things, but now you can't see. I just want you to stand up and I know you're not really blind, but just walk around and act like you're blind for a second here's Bartimaeus he's been this way for, for many many years here's people in this room you've been this way for many many months you've been this way for your family's been this way for many generations you've come to impact for, the, for all this year but you can't seem to get out of the situation you're in the, this, this, this cycle that you're in you're just like blind Bartimaeus you're not inside you're not in the pagan mess of Jericho but you're still outside the city Oh, hallelujah. Some of y'all have been delivered, but you still won't go completely away from the city. You've set up counter. Listen, setting up camp outside the city isn't enough. The closer you are to it, the more the enemy will try to get you back into Jericho. But somebody's going to run away. Somebody's going to be like Joseph and say, if i got to leave my clothes behind, I'm not going to hallelujah. Somebody needs to say, God, I'm running away from this sin. I'm not going to set up camp beside it, but Today is my complete freedom. Each one of us has a code in this room. That code defines you. It identifies you. That code is either the code of sins or the code of freedom and salvation. I believe there's a generation of young people, of young adults here tonight that is sick of laying by the side of the road begging. You're not called to be a beggar. If you're a son and daughter, you're not called to be a beggar. Hallelujah. You're called to authority. You're called to power. You're called to miracle signs and wonders. You're called to freedom. Amen. I believe there's a generation of young people here tonight that is sick of laying by the side of the road begging. Your garments try and say you're a homosexual. You're depressed. You have no future. Poor, shouldn't be alive. Have no hope. Fearful, drug addicted, angry. But when somebody calls out to Jesus and takes their coat off, God can perform a miracle. Somebody needs to take the coat off here tonight. Amen. I love it because the Bible says that blind Bartimaeus, just take me by the hand here, can't see Jesus. He can't see the miracles. He can't see the signs and the wonders. Just stay right here for a second. But the Bible says that he could hear. Amen. Come on, somebody in this house. The Bible says that he could hear about it. The Bible says that he couldn't see, amen, but he could hear what Jesus was doing, amen. Just stay right here for a second. He had the garment on. He had the garment of sin. Oh, but the Bible says when he called out, amen, the Bible says that he heard about what Jesus was doing. The Bible says he heard about him working miracles in Jericho, and even though Jesus was leaving, the Bible says that Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus, oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah! you know when you think of a blind person your senses get intensified when you lose one sense so if you're a blind man that means you can feel better you can hear better you can taste better is anybody here right now so blind Bartimaeus, yes, he's blind and he can't see, but he can hear for miles all that Jesus is doing. He can hear the rumblings in the city. He can feel the vibration of the crowds that are walking around Jesus. Yes, he has a disability, but that disability gives him strength in his ears. Amen. Amen. There's people in this room, you have no clue what's going on right now. You just like, why are they speaking in tongues? Why is that guy sweating up there? Why are they talking about this means war and pleading the blood and stomping on something? And what in the listen, friend, you don't have to see what's going on right now. You know, listen, you may have scales on your eyes. You may be so deceived. You may say, I can't, I can't see what they're talking about. But if you'll open up your ears to hear what the Lord is doing, you've opened heard testimonies in this house you hear people worshiping and even though you haven't worshipped like that, you see the joy in their life, you see the deliverance in their life, you see what God has done, if you'll just hear it and if you'll respond to what you hear, oh hallelujah, blind Bartimaeus couldn't see it, there's people in this room you can't see your way out but you've seen somebody else in the same position and you've heard about it and God's about to do the same thing for you through the word of God all you've got to do is hear all you've got to bring is what you have to Jesus oh so Jesus walked by and what does the Bible say that blind Bartimaeus began to cry his name say Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me come on yell at Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me The Bible says that Jesus wasn't the initial one to hear it. But but somebody else heard it and and told Jesus, there's this guy who looks kind of weird with some odd garments on, and he's crying out your name. He's a blind beggar. And Jesus said, go command him to come to me. And guess what? They walked to him. Sit down right there. This is the part that I want to get to. They walked to him, and they said, Jesus has heard you, blind Bartimaeus. And he has commanded you to come. You know, the Holy Spirit is commanding somebody to come back to him. We don't like being commanded to do jack in our generation. But can I tell you, Jesus is commanding you to be free. Jesus is commanding you just to go ahead and give in to the conviction. If somebody will obey the command, if somebody will obey the word, God will do something special in your life. The Bible says that he's blind. He's begging. He said he's uh, 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 he's sitting down. And the disciple looks at him and he says, Jesus wants you to come to where he is. Now watch what happens. The Bible says nobody told him to take the garment off, but the Bible says he stands up and he takes the garment off himself and he begins to walk where Jesus isn't it funny? That even a blind man understood, if I want Jesus to change me, I can't be the same way that I am right here. Nobody told him he had to take the garment off. Nobody told him he had to lay the label and the generational curses down. But he said, I know if I'm going to go meet that man, I've got to give everything. i got to lay everything down. Hallelujah. There's somebody in this house. You've tried to... Listen, he's still blind, but that's what faith is. Faith says, "I may not have received the miracle yet, but I'm going to lay down what I can lay down, and expect Jesus to do everything else." You, you might say, "Well, well, I know, you know, what well, I know. Jesus has done a little bit for me, but I'm not sure if He can do a, a bigger thing for me." If you'll just come to the altar and lay what you have down, Jesus will meet you halfway. Hallelujah! So here He is, and he, and listen. He lays his garment down, but he's still blind. And by faith in his blindness, he walks to where Jesus is. Jesus lays hands on him and he receives his sight. If he would have kept his blind, begging, past, generational curse on and tried to went to Jesus, he never would have received his miracle. And there's people in this room, the reason you haven't been born again, the reason you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, the reason you haven't been free, delivered, amen, set free, is because you try to hang on to the old coat. Can I tell you, somebody needs a fit check in the house, amen. You need a spiritual fit check and say, am I trying? Am I trying to get to Jesus and be the same way that I've always been? Or has somebody really said, forget these old garments? Oh, hallelujah. When you lay off that old garment, the Bible says that's when Jesus can touch you. That's when Jesus can take your blindness away. That's when Jesus can take your crutch away. Go ahead and run up a little bit and you can be free, delivered, and set free in the name of Jesus. I want you to come back up here, blind Bartimaeus, because Jesus does not free you, but he gives you a new name. He gives you a new identity. Listen, he takes your old fit and he gives you a new fit and he places it on you. He's no longer blind. He no longer has a generational curse. He's no longer going to be like his mom and dad. No, he's going to be free. He's going to lift up his hands. He's give him praise tonight. I want you to stand right here for a second. I'm going to end with this right here. Point number three is this. I want you to give somebody a high five and say there's one more garment. The Bible says that there is an extra garment of the Holy Spirit. There's one more garment. It's not just that blind Barimaeus could receive his healing and deliverance and freedom and get every generational curse broke off of him. But now the Bible says in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said, and behold, I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high you want to know what that word and do means? It means to clothe. It means there's another garment. It means there's a salvation garment that's on Brother Caleb, but there's a power from on high. There's another fit. Amen. There's another fit that he can begin to walk in. Oh, it's the same clothes. It's the same garment that came on David. It's the same garment that came on Elijah. It's the same garment that came on Elisha. It's the same garment that came on Jesus in the Jordan. It's the garment of the holy ghost it is a garment of power power means strength it means power that only comes upon that not only comes upon you but lives in you it's miracle power it's moral power it is god's power the holy ghost when he comes upon you after you get saved you're no longer scared you're no longer timid you 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 uh are no longer a a, a timid and powerless but it's power to look the enemy right in the face and say you have no hold on me anymore but there's a power that lives it's like a river it's like a river oh there's a river in you there's a river that can cause every demon curse to be uh broke in jesus name the holy ghost gives you his identity he gives you the power of God. What fit are you wearing? Will you put on the new clothes that Jesus is offering you or are you going to wallow in the mess outside of Jericho for the rest of your life? I've ca- Listen, I've come to call somebody out of Jericho right now. I've call I've come to call somebody not just out of Jericho, but to come farther away from the outside, the walls of, it's not worth living close to it. It's not worth being in it, but it's not worth living close to it either. There's complete freedom. There's a new fit. There's power. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. We as a generation must realize that atmosphere matters. Your garment defines who you are, but you need the extra garment of the Holy Ghost oh hallelujah 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 you don't have to live in the fear of what your lineage says you have to be hallelujah you can be the start there is no generational curse that can overcome the blood of Jesus there is no generational curse that can overcome the Holy Spirit of God, amen, and His power. If you will take that old identity off and put on the new identity in Christ and not just put on that fit of Jesus, but put on the fit of the Holy Ghost, He will give you power to be saved, to stay saved, and to, and to, and to rewrite the history that the enemy said that you were going to walk in. What fit are you wearing? Will you put on the new clothes that Jesus is offering you tonight? Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the impact podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at ImpactYM. And remember you can have as much of God as you want.